Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We're still very much knee-deep in tech. This is episode 61, recorded on the 30th of January 2019. We've been busy. You sure have. Quite busy. So what's what's happening in the life of Simon Binder these days? <laughs> these days. Today I'm flying to Dublin, to Microsoft, to have some account planning. Sounds boring, but it's actually quite fun. Wait, you're leaving today? I'm leaving today. Oh. In a few hours. Cool. All yeah. right. But the thing that's taken most of my time last week were Igel Disrupt. Do you know what Igel does? Um, yes and no. I think they used to do uh, thin clients and stuff. Yep. That's absolutely true, and they still do thin clients. All right. But they are now considering themselves as a software company. So what they really are after is the iOS, IGEL operating system. And it was actually created before the iOS with a small i. So uh, I think we have something to look into there in terms of trademarking. Are you actually saying that they are thinking or actually doing end-user computing as as software? Kind of. What cool. they, what they Their value proposition is that you can run Citrix, VMware, RDS, mm-hmm. Parallels, they don't care, as long as you use their operating system at the endpoint and their solutions around that operating system. Okay. When you say endpoint, what, what do you mean? How does it work? Where does it fit in? They... Still manufacture thin clients. All right. So their own first-party thin clients, yep. which are great looking and in every way great thin clients. Mm-hmm. They also do endpoint conversion. So you can take any thin client or any x86 hardware and convert it into an ideal client by installing their operating system. And they both have the, the Linux-based iOS is their primary one, but they also have a, a Windows-based one. So you can actually take your old Dell and HP clients and convert them into Agile clients by installing their operating system. Okay. What, you do, so what, do, you, what do you gain by this? Uh, you gain a new operating system, of course, which is kept up to date. And you can keep using your thin clients or old hardware for longer. So you say that you are looking into exchanging all your PCs, uh-huh. all, all your thin clients. And instead of replacing them, you just repurpose them and install the IGEL operating system on them instead. So you can take your old fat client, convert it into a thin client, and therefore prolonging that lifetime of that hardware with five, seven years. Interesting value proposition. What do you have in the back end? Doesn't matter. It's it's all about the operating system, and then you have the um, um, unified management suite, uh-huh. which I'm now certified on. So oh. I'm an ICE since last week. <laughs> IGEL certified engineer. That's the only engineering title I'll ever get. ICE, ICE binder. Okay. Yep. Uh, so you have a gateway in the cloud, you have a management suite, and you have the operating system. And then IGEL doesn't care what you run to actually present a desktop or an app on that thing client. And what can that be? I mean, everybody knows about Citrix. Can you use VMware, RDS, uh, Windows Virtual Desktop, Parallels, and I think they have support for 14 different solutions. Oh. So they they don't care. They want to create the best end-user computing experience regardless of what you choose to use. 
Okay, but if we take this piece of, of hardware and software and turn our heads to, to one of your favorite toys in the chest, Windows Virtual Desktop. Yeah. What were you talking about at Agile Disrupt? Because so, uh, you were part yeah. of the, the keynote, right? Yeah, the, the second day keynote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had two, or I presented the same session twice. Right. One time on Thursday, one time on Friday on Windows Virtual Desktop and how it integrates with Microsoft 365. And currently, there aren't a Linux client to support Windows Virtual Desktop. And the reason for that is that since we're authenticated with Azure AD rather than AD Uh for the actual authentication to the service, that isn't currently supported inside of Linux. Is that also the case uh, with iGEMS? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is Is it on the roadmap? I bet it is. Okay. Yep. Uh, and I also did two panel discussions. One on the keynote, where we spoke about end-user compute in, in general. Mm-hmm. And one geek speak with Douglas Brown, who is the chief community officer, I think his official title is, mm-hmm. in Agile. And we spoke about everything from a more technical point of view. So the biggest discussion we definitely had were end of... That that Office Pro Plus, so the Office 365 Office package, isn't right. supported on server 2019. Right. And that it won't be supported on server 2016 after 2025. Okay. Which is when the actual operating system goes out of support. Okay. And apparently that's a way bigger pain than I ever would have, ma- have imagined it to be. For really? Many, many organizations consider this a chaotic so that means a lot of uh, a lot of clients that you come into contact with here in Sweden are different because they are not running Pro Plus. Yeah, yeah, they are, but they haven't understood that they can't run it. Oh, in, in a virtualized fashion, right? Yeah, but that's six years from now. Uh huh. What's what's the hurry? Yeah, that that's the wrong way of seeing it. Uh huh. You are in a hurry. But if you don't start, it will be even worse. Good point. So I made myself into um, a persona non grata to many of them when I asked, okay, so how many years do you need? Mm-hmm. And I didn't get a response for that. So how many years do you need? In, in my opinion, you should be looking into running Office Pro Plus on Windows 10 now, on VDIs, instead of using servers. Right. Uh, but in six years' time, that won't be an issue. Who knows what we'll have in six years' time? Exactly. But start your migration to Windows 10 rather than Windows Server in general, I would say. And with Windows Virtual Desktop, we'll get more tools to use. But I started, uh, or I posted on LinkedIn yesterday and got a a reply from Rene Beegler, um, he's been in the community talks I did a couple of years ago mm-hmm. with some other end-using compute heroes. And uh, he, he's in um, lives in Switzerland, works at a school, and they're running Nutanix. Right. Uh, and according to him, they run basically only Windows 10. And because of the hyper-convergeness of Nutanix, they don't see that as a huge driver of either cost or performance apart on if you compare it to running it on uh, session host so servers okay so it's it's about changing the mindset 
Right. And it's about looking into other solutions and it's about starting the move now and not doing the XP thing or the Windows 7 thing or the Server 2008 thing and wait until the last year. Now that seems to be the the modus operandi in many organizations. Yep. The uh, let's put our head deep in the sand so we don't hear. Yep. But this kind of brings me to... Um, I had a discussion with my wife yesterday, and she's uh, she's a teacher yep. at the university, and she's also uh, a teacher at the high school. And one of the issues that we discussed was this whole thing with computers in in schools. Oh yeah, it's one of the the selling points for schools that if if you come to us as a student, we'll give you a an iPad or a computer. And I still go, why? Why would you? do that i realize that there are some benefits of having an ipad or a computer in in school but it also saddles the school with huge costs yep. could windows virtual desktop and this kind of, of end using and end, end using computing end, end user computing alleviate costs in in any way you think in the long term definitely um and i think if, if you look into what google does for example that's the exact same thing if you were to get a thin client which looked as good as some of the Chromebooks, but you were in full control of what you actually published to it, mm-hmm. that would be a huge benefit. It's it's only about, I think for, for many students, it's only about having a machine. Yes. And, and a good-looking machine, something they can be proud of. Yep. Um, and that's, that's where all these, you get a machine, if you start an old school, started in Sweden 10, 15 years ago when some schools started to hand out MacBooks to oh. attract students. So in, in my opinion, I think we'll see more of that moving forward. And, and that's if you talk to... I do not agree with everything Igel says, for sure, mm-hmm. um, in terms of the best operating system for the endpoint. But they definitely see Windows 10 as a cloud operating system. All right. So um, I think we'll see more of that. And Renee is one of them that are running that. And I actually started off doing that. When I was in school, we had thin clients. We were one of the first schools in Sweden which used thin clients. Interesting. At that point, authenticated by Novell. Yeah, that, that was that was the old days. And when I was working, Thank for, you. <laughs> when I was working for the university, we uh, did a an experiment actually with something called the um, Sunray. Mm. And that was back when, when Sun was an inde- independent company and before they were bought by Oracle. And the Sunray is a thin client. Yep. Either the Sunray 1, which was just a box, or the Sunray 2, which was integrated with a, a flat screen. Yep. And then a lot of people decided to steal the Sunray 2s, but none of them realized that, <laughs> well, it doesn't accept an external signal, so it was absolutely useless. Yep. But it was kind of cool because we had a smart card. And you can pull the card, go to a colleague's station and put in the card, and boom, there's your session. But that, that's the thing which all of these main end-user computing manufacturers are looking into getting the exact that thing, and we are close to that. Yeah, some some kind of token. Yep. Yeah, and I think that that's that's an interesting value proposition that people kind of have forgotten that it's possible. Yep. And when we get YubiKeys, that will be when you get YubiKeys. You don't know about those? I don't. Swedish company that makes hardware tokens. 
uh-huh. which you can use to authenticate to Azure AD with. Hello. And they support fingerprint, NFC, uh, Lightning. Oh, really? So, yeah. So you can get them and authenticate with that as a hard, your hardware token. So to do AD. you just plug that in and you're yep. good to go? Kind of. So if someone steals that, you're done? No, it's it's still two-factor. So that's your second factor. Oh. Yeah. Very interesting. I yes. did not know that. Yep. That I'll have to check out. Yep. So we will soon leave Ideal Disrupt, but I just want to <laughs> tell you one more thing, which uh-huh. I didn't think were possible. And we have discussed this because we now have a VR department at Atea. Okay. And now VR works over Citrix. <laughs> yeah, right. It does brilliantly. Wait. So you're telling me that VR, which is exceptionally GPU bound, would work over a distance? Yes. Okay. How? Some magic, but it does work, and it does work. Does it include unicorns? No. So no unicorns were harmed in doing VR over Citrix. I couldn't possibly comment. Ah. Uh, but it actually works. Uh, we we uh, I'll be working with hopefully we'll be working with Agile and um, some other very skilled and using computing um, colleagues to get this up and running. And we'll then try how much latency this would be possible over. Because that was my my immediate question. One of the things that induce nausea is latency. Yep. And latency. He's going to be a factor because yep. you're going to have a bit of a distance between your data center and your, your... But but my thought on this is that we may not face such a challenge with this. Really? Depending on the environment we're in. But I won't tell. I, I won't share all our business secrets in an official podcast. Yeah. So we'll have to take that off air. But stay tuned. And it's actually real now. It's here. VR over, in this case, Citrix. So... Use that's that's an interesting use case for a GPU machine in yes. in Azure. Yes, cool. We definitely need to do some some experimenting yep. with this. Sure, nice. So, what's you been up to? We we actually spent an hour at the same airport in two different <laughs> lounges last Friday. <laughs> that that was kind of weird. I was going to uh, Mechelen in uh, in Belgium, and Mechelen is between Brussels and Antwerp. I and think roughly. I thought you were about to say between Brussels and Sprouts. <laughs> I'm sure people of Antwerp will have <laughs> issues with you calling that city Sprouts, but that's on you. Well, it's a, it's a city about the size of a postage stamp, Yep. but it still boasts a huge cathedral. And when I commented on this, my guy just went, huh, yeah, we have a few of those. <laughs> and I was just blown away. It's, it's an amazing city. It is so beautiful. It is old school, and apparently it survived the war uh, fairly unscathed. Probably because it was between two Brussels cities. and Sprouts. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it was an interesting event. It's the brainchild of Jan Mulkins, one of the uh, newly minted AI MVPs. Yep. And he decided that we need a Power BI conference in Europe. And there were quite a few so he decided to do his own yep and the quirky thing with this one is that it's a two-day conference where the first day is physical i.e in person yeah and the second day is virtual that's cool 
And he had some 80 attendees signed up for the physical day. And I think it was like 65 or so that showed up. Yeah, and that's a decent amount. That's a decent amount. That's very nice. Yeah. Again, it's a Saturday in Mechelen. <laughs> and I had the pleasure of opening with my arguing with myself. Always good to start with some arguing in the morning. <laughs> yes, quite. That was that was good fun. And I learned a lot from this session. I I'll crank up From your the, own session. Yes. Yeah. I will crank up my arguing part for when I do this in, in Lingen. And one of the most amazing things is I had a lot of good questions. And a few of those questions I could actually answer. Yes, this came out the day before yesterday. So that was kind of good timing. Yep. And rumor has it that it's actually recorded. Oh. I'll I'll see if I can find a link to this and, and link it in the show notes. Yep. I actually saw that in regards to recordings, the Tech Days recordings are now out. Oh, really? Yeah. From October. From October. Well, as long as they're out. Yep, they're out. Yep. And the second day, the virtual day, how many attendees do you think he uh, he had signed up? For a first-time event, I would be, I would personally be very pleased with fifty to hundred. Yeah, eight hundred people. Whoa! And some three hundred and fifty actually attended. That's amazing. It is amazing, and the speaker list was just out of this world. Cool. So he really hit a home run on this one, and he already decided that yeah, he's going to do this again in April. Oh. We need in to April. talk about Jan's uh, non-existent spare time, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> should should we talk about non-existing spare time? Well, I could, but you, I don't think you. Well, maybe I. Let's do a special. Let's do a special on time. On <laughs> yep. time and space. Yep. And there have been some very exciting things coming out of the Power BI team. We have not yet received the January update for Power BI desktop, which is kind of frustrating. But wait, I, wait, 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 wait. I, I see in the, in the show notes that we have the Power BI report server news. Mm -hmm. We have the Power BI data flow January update. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Power BI desktop update. Yeah. So you get three major releases every month. You forgot the Power BI service. <laughs> And the admin center. So we have yep. a shit ton of news every every week. And I'm pretty sure that this desktop update is going to drop either as we speak <laughs> or before <laughs> I can edit this episode. But anyway. I, I'm looking into Twitter now, so, mm, so I'll keep I'm sure you posted. You do. So the um, one of the, the most interesting things for me and one of the most boring things for most everybody else <laughs> is the on-premises data gateway management that has been added to the Power Platform Admin Center. Okay. That is a central repository for keeping track of, I was about to say, all the on-premises data gateways, but that's not true yet. It is only uh, possible to manage the enterprise gateways, i.e. The, the runs running as services. You okay. can't handle the you can't handle the truth. No, <laughs> you can't handle the personal gateways. So so first and foremost, so you as an individual can set up set up a gateway yes. to a data source and yes. connect it to the cloud. Yes. That sounds like you could face data leakage. Mm, yes and no. What you do if you set up a personal gateway is that you 
allow PowerBI.com to access your data source on your machine or any any data source you have access to. And if you turn off your machine, that gateway is not able to... Ah, so it's a local gateway on that actual machine. Yep. And that's hmm. exactly the same thing as the enterprise gateway. The difference is that the enterprise gateway is running as a service on a server. Ah. Uh, but what happens is that you create a tunnel between your machine, i.e. the the, um, the gateway and Azure, yep. which is wrapped in an SSL to hell and back, pretty much. <laughs> it's, it's secure enough. And when you want to refresh your data set, the Power BI service goes out and, and pokes the gateway, and the gateway makes sure that the data set is pushed to the Power BI service. Oh. And either if you're running the right way, you're caching the data, or if you're running the wrong way, you're running direct query. Yep. Now, direct query doesn't need to be wrong, but most of the times you are going to see a performance impact with yep. it. So what you have in this, in this new release is the ability to see what gateways are um, out there. That's useful. Yes. Who's owning them? Who's yeah. who's um, who's got access to them? And you can actually take ownership of a rogue a gateway if yep. you so will. And and just one more question. Mm-hmm. So the personal gateways mm-hmm. would I guess only make the data available to myself since I'm setting up using my own access to the data source, right? Yeah, you 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 can. Or could I share if I get access to a data source? connected using a personal gateway, mm-hmm. could anyone that had a, have access to the Power BI service access that data using my credentials? You're missing a piece of the puzzle. Okay, yep. I can set up the gateway, yep. then I create a data source, yep. then I can give you access to that data source. Yep. Then you can come play. Yeah, So, but, but basically, this is interesting. We should do a session on this. Uh-huh. So if I personally have access to a data source, yep. I connect that to the Power BI service. Sure. I can then give others access using my access. Yes. You can give people access to your data set. Yeah. Not necessarily the data source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, that's, that's a good, a good distinction. That's a very good point. And that's that's one of the, the um, things that does not get solved by technology alone no but by governance yeah so 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 what are apart from the enterprise gateway running as services what are the benefits of those over a personal one i think the the question should be turned on its head what are the benefits of a personal gateway and there are pretty much none no no it, it's a way to get around the governance <laughs> as, well, as i hear it at least it, it's pretty much the same piece of software yeah it just depends on if you're running uh, a service or not. Can and you, th- can you prevent users from setting up gateways? No. Hmm. But we you... definitely need to do a session on this. Yeah. I ask you stupid questions. That's the title. <laughs> we can do that. I oh, I ask Power BI stupid queries. Don't <laughs> go any further with this, please. <laughs> but but hold that thought. We're we're gonna look into it. Yep. Then Power BI Report Server had some awesome updates, and the biggest is role-level security. Oh, that is now available in yes in in Power BI Report Server. That has been asked for since time immemorial. It is probably since since I run thin clients in school. Most likely, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, first came Novell, and then we started asking for a lot of security in yep. Power BI. Yeah. So that that's huge. Yep. And we have copy paste both in be- between two um, two reports. Yep. I mean, say for instance, you were creating a lot of reports, and it is so utterly boring to recreate everything. But yep. you can just do copy paste between two instances of, of Power BI Desktop. Thank you. Yes, very much so. And I'm not sure that you know, but it's actually a special version of the Power BI desktop that you use when you create reports for Power BI report server. It's not the exact same piece of software as you do for Power BI. So you don't have three different Power BI desktop versions. The app one, the installed one, and the report creating one. What do you mean when you say app? You mean the, the store app? Yes. So yes. the store app, the installed app, and the report server one thingy. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Why is that? Because I, I, we we won't spoil the reason for having the app in the store in the uh, the installed app. We can take that later on. But why would you need a separate Power BI report thingy? Well, the the main difference is how you deploy the the report hmm? in power bi desktop you deploy the report to powerbi.com ah. in the report server version you re- deploy it to your own on-prem ah, okay. ah so sorry I'm, it's, it's yeah. pretty much the, the difference what happens when you click the yeah, button sorry sorry i that's it yep yep thank you and then we had the power bi data flows january update which came with a deluge of interesting things we are now at 47 connectors and growing that's so which connectors are missing? We are, among other things, missing Azure Data Lake version 2. Okay, yeah. So updated um, connectors. And, yeah, but yeah. that's that's in, in preview. Yep. So I did not expect it. P- people are asking for it, yep. but we did not expect to get it quite so soon. And there are a lot of con- connectors that are supported, but not in the GUI yet. So. Yep. As always, you can do your thing in Power BI Desktop and then just copy the whole shebang over to a data flow, yep. which kind of leads us to another small detail. We now have Power Query feature parity with Power BI Desktop. Oh. Again, you might not see all of the transformations exposed in the GUI, yep. but they're there. And anything you can do in Power BI Desktop when it comes to transformations with Power Query, yep. it is going to run just fine in a Power um and Power I, BI data flow. And I think that's vital to remember when someone, I would say, not only Microsoft says feature parity, mm-hmm. that means that you can get all the expected results from both. You may be doing it in a slightly different way. That's a very good point. Yeah. Very good point. So, so the reason why I'm saying that is that we, since a few months ago, have feature parity between Teams and Skype. Mm-hmm but we don't necessarily do what we want to do in the same way. There are new and novel ways of tearing your hair out. Yeah, and I don't yeah. have that much hair. No, but you're you're working with clients. <laughs> exactly. Says the database gray one. I know. No, data science gray. Data science you. gray, yeah. Oh, get with the program. So, so it's you and uh, what's his name? The uh, Back to the Future Doc? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He might actually be featured in one of my Nick sessions <laughs> or two. Just saying. And that's next week, right? Nick in yes, Oslo? Yes, it is. Yep. 
Then we have basic authentication in Paria Dataflows. That's useful. That's it well. is. Might sound kind of meh, but it's it's a big thing. Yep. There are still a lot of sites um, that don't necessarily need uh, the complex authentication. So, so basic works just yep. fine. Then we have native SQL queries. I can actually run, uh, run a SQL statement in a Power BI data flow and Power BI would not touch that statement. If hmm. you have a fully working statement that you don't want to do anything with, just put it in the data flow and boom, it's going to run on the SQL server. Would there be any downsides of doing that? It depends on how... <laughs> on the query. Yes, yep. exactly. It depends on how good you are with the query. Yep. You might actually see a huge performance benefit if yep. you're doing something very, very strange. Yep. Then again, there's something called query folding in Power BI. And that is Power BI tries to push as much of the logic to the source as possible. Yep. But if you do some things in a specific order you might find yourself in a situation where query folding is not possible and thus you add way more pressure on the Power BI service. Hmm. That's one of the um, ways of, of tuning a Power BI report. Yep. So try to do query folding. And there are a few things that are very obvious that's are, that are going to kill you and some things are much more sneaky when it comes to query folding. Hmm. And it can be... I wouldn't say hard, but it's kind of tricky to find out if your query is folding all the way or not. But that's that's uh, a discussion for another day. So how many times can you fold a query? Yes, you can. <laughs> More than you want to know. <laughs> and one final thing. In February, uh, there was a question. And in February, there is going to come the ability to take ownership of a data flow. As it stands today, if I create a data flow and then I quit... It's kind of in limbo. That to me sounds like something that should have been in the product from the start. Sorry for, to the product group, but... If this had been released yet, this is still a preview. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But yes, I agree. It's it's one of the things that just need to be there and yep. it's going to come. Yep. Cool. Great. So that was a shockful episode again. Yeah. And we, we have so many other things to cover i know but we will be back and next time we'll cover into news config manager news windows server news windows news and news probably more stuff as well yeah all right so thank you very much for listening and have a good one bye bye